The often talked about medical home, where primary care doctors work with specialists and others to coordinate care, increase quality, and control costs, is moving from the campaign trail and professional think tanks to reality. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Kenneth Thorpe. Mr. Thorpe is the Robert Woodruff Professor and Chair of Health Policy and Management, Rollins School of Public Health at Emory University. He has held many leadership roles in public policy, including Professor of Health Policy and Director of the Institute for Health Services Research and Deputy Assistant Secretary for Health Policy in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services under the Clinton administration. He has authored and co-authored more than 60 articles, book chapters, and books, and is a frequent national presenter on issues of health care finance, insurance, and health care reform. He joins us today from his offices in Washington, D.C. Kenneth Thorpe, welcome to ReachMD Radio and XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Well, thanks, and thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to have you here. So tell us about what exactly is a medical home and how our physician listeners and their patients may actually not only be hearing about this a lot with President Obama and everybody talking about health care reform, but this is actually uh, an experience that patients and doctors are giving and receiving, is it not? It, it is. It's really a model of care that's really team-based. I think it recognizes that patients uh, float through several physicians oftentimes during the year, and unfortunately that care is oftentimes not coordinated. So the medical home concept is a team-based approach where there's a primary care physician responsible for coordinating uh, all the care for the patient, including preventive care. And uh, it's uh, linked together by technology uh, so that there's uh, open communication uh, on the, the medical experience of the patients. But it's uh, certainly a model that is starting to emerge in several states and is a, a major part of the uh, healthcare reform discussion going on here in Washington. And can you perhaps give us an example of where it's already being used and, and walk us through it a little bit? Oh, sure. Probably the best example is the uh, state of Vermont. Now, there they've built what are known as community health teams, which are teams of nurses, nurse practitioners, social mental health workers that closely work with primary care physician offices to basically uh, work with patients when they go home to execute whatever care plan the physician has put together. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, keeping people healthy. It could be working with them to manage their chronic diseases. It's something that for a patient is, you know, much appreciated. Uh, and unfortunately, in today's uh, very fragmented healthcare system, that type of very sensible care just oftentimes doesn't happen. So Vermont does this for all their payers. So it's not a function of uh, who's paying the bill. It's really saying if, if I've got diabetes and high blood pressure and uh, bad cholesterol, uh, we want to make sure that we manage those conditions and make sure that uh, you're taking appropriate medications and want to assure that uh, those uh, conditions don't deteriorate so you know, that you don't end up in the hospital. But Vermont's a model. Uh, North Carolina has a, a good model for their Medicaid programs. And then there's other examples of integrated group practices like the Geisinger Clinic and Marshfield Clinic that really pride themselves on providing team-based care to their patients. And on the team-based approach, so let's just say I'm, a, I'm part of a, a group and I'd like to maybe work something out with the health insurers that pay me. What are they going to need? I mean, how, how small can a group be? How big can a group be? Certain kind, numbers of patients? You know, the challenge we face is that while we have good examples of team-based care at those large clinics, 
Uh, most Americans don't get their health care through the Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic. They get their care provided through smaller physician practices. In fact, about 40% of uh, primary care physicians operate groups of practices of one, two, and three. Uh, so th- this model of a community health team is designed to really work with smaller practices or even bigger practices, uh, community health centers, to provide sort of prevention and follow-up care for that patient uh, if they have to go to the hospital, if you know they're just at home and, and we're checking in on the patient to make sure that they're keeping their blood sugar under control, that their blood pressure is controlled, and so on. So it's really a good primary care model that... Uh, uh, there's a lot of interest here in, in Washington to figure out how we can take that model, build it into the Medicare program, which really does none of this today, uh, and see if we can engage uh, other payers to participate in it as well. And so what are they talking about with the Medicare program? Like how, how would that work? Um, would it be you know, maybe a, a bundled payment or doctors having to make sure they're hooked up with other groups um, so they could get paid or how, how would that work? Right. So one of the models would be that if a, a physician practice wants to work with this community health team to manage patients in the practice, that that physician would get an, an additional payment uh, for every patient uh, per month in order to free up some time to actually write a care plan to uh, follow uh, the patients to make sure that they're, uh, you know, staying on their care plan and staying healthy and are working uh, hand-in-hand really with the nurses and nurse practitioners that are delivering the care at home. So uh, it'd be voluntary. Uh, it's a new resource that would be available to physician practices, but, and they would get an additional payment to participate. And how is this being built into the health care reform proposals? Are they just asking physicians to voluntarily participate, or is there going to be money set aside? Yes, it'd be voluntary. Right right now, um, you know, unfortunately, they're, they're in there largely as pilots. I think that a lot of us are trying to find a way to make uh, these medical homes and community health teams in particular more widely available nationally uh, in a three- to five-year time period, starting with the Medicare program, uh, and provide sort of the investment and funding to do it. But uh, the concept of medical homes and these community health teams are in both the Senate and House bills as they set. And the key, I suppose, would be that if they can show that this works and somehow saves money and maybe and, and produces uh, good outcomes, and then we'd be off to the races. Oh, no question. And uh, there really is some emerging evidence that shows that if you put these community health teams together so that they work with patients and manage them uh, at home, that we can prevent uh, admissions to the hospital. Uh, in particular, we can prevent readmissions to the hospital. You know, in the Medicare program, seniors uh, who are hospitalized, 20% of them are readmitted to the hospital within 30 days. Uh, and that's a, you know, a, a very startling statistic, one that if we provided this type of medical home approach to working with patients, we could cut those readmission rates in half. So that not only saves money, but it's obviously a, a better quality care. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host. I'm with the Chicago Tribune. And joining me today is Kenneth Thorpe. He is a professor and chair of health policy and management at Emory University. He also has an office in Washington where he joins us. And he was also a health policy advisor in the Clinton administration. And we're talking about a medical home. It's something clearly people have heard about, the president president has talked about it, Congress has talked about it, but it's actually moving into stages where it's being implemented in the country, and we're talking about that. And Mr. Thorpe, you bring up a really good point on the fact that some people would say, oh, well, you know, if you give an elderly person, they're going to be sick, and they're elderly, and they're just going to get sicker over time, and it's going to cost the system money. But you brought up an interesting point that through these medical homes, 
if you can reduce readmissions to hospitals, you can save some real money here. Oh, no question. Just uh, that statistic. If we, if we could find a way to reduce readmission rates in just the Medicare program, for those that are potentially preventable medically, that over the next 10 years, that would save the Medicare program $100 billion in reduced spending. So it's not only savings, but it's clearly a much better quality care to uh, make sure that a patient, when they're discharged to home, is stable and is uh, following a care plan and is taking whatever uh, medications at the appropriate time and, and dosage. And, you know, just real simple blocking and tackling can make a very big difference here in improving the quality of care and saving money. Well, I want to hold on to that thought, too, because a lot of people, when they think of readmissions, they think of a mistake in the hospital where somebody goes in, they get a bypass, and then they leave, and then they have an infection that they got while they were there, and then they were readmitted. But what you're talking about, give us an example of of something that a medical home could prevent where somebody was readmitted? Well, somebody, you know, you know, either has uh, some type of heart disease or uh, has, uh, you know, a pulmonary condition, a breathing problem, heart failure, who's hospitalized and then discharged, uh, may need to uh, uh, be on medication, may need to, you know, routinely monitor their uh, blood pressure levels. And, you know, oftentimes, as uh, sad as it sounds, a lot of patients who are discharged that don't take their medications, they don't even fill the prescriptions. Half of, half of all prescriptions in this country go unfilled. You know, I think that that's something that just real simple working with patients to educate them on how best to manage those conditions when they leave the hospital, how to keep them from being readmitted to the hospital, uh, making sure that uh, medications, if prescribed, are taken at the appropriate dosage and timing. Common sense things go a long way to really uh, improving quality and saving money. Well, I'd also like to ask, because I'm, I'm sure it's a question that, that physicians want to know, is how much money we're talking about could they potentially get on an admission? Now, I've dealt with a few insurers that don't like to disclose that, but I can say that sometimes for an office visit, I've heard that it could be anywhere between an 8 to 15% increase on their payment, depending on what they do. Is, is that a ballpark, or do you know anything about that? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I think that, you know, if you invest in these uh, in medical homes and invest in primary care, I think the idea is, is that we're going to make an additional investment in nurses, nurse practitioners, primary care physicians, and a little bit more spending on prescription drugs to make sure people are taking them. Uh, so there'll be more spending there, uh, perhaps 5 to 10% more. But the real opportunity for savings is reducing admissions and readmissions to the hospital that are unnecessary and really are preventable. So on balance, if you do this right, total health care spending could decline by 5 to 10%. That would be something. I also wanted to ask on the whole idea of, of the payments uh, and so forth from the insurers, few of these medical home concepts that I've written about or talked to health plans about, the health plans want something too. And they have said in some cases, okay, doctors, you know, we'll give you an increased reimbursement if you have a referral system set up and we'll spend more time with patients, et cetera. But we want you to get your electronic medical records straight and get better information systems. Is that what you're hearing, or what are, what are some of the doctors being asked to do? Well, certainly, uh, if we're going to, you know, coordinate care across multiple providers, you know, just to give you an example, you know, a Medicare patient may have two primary care physicians uh, see four different specialists uh, during the year in four or five different settings. 
So if we're going to really coordinate the care for that patient, you know, those physicians uh, need to understand what the other physicians are doing and having one physician sort of lead the overall game plan. And you need the technology to do that. So uh, having electronic health records uh, in those primary care physicians' offices and in physicians' offices uh, in general that allows them to, uh, you know, with the patient's permission, pass information across the board. And uh, if they're hospitalized, to share it with the hospital is just, you know, a centerpiece of doing this right. And do you see that when you've worked with physicians and insurers, what are some of their biggest concerns? No, I, I don't know that there's a, a concern. I think the model is getting increased traction even among, uh, certainly among insurers who recognize, you know, the two facts here, that if they're going to save money, they're going to have to attack two problems. One is that uh, a third of the growth in healthcare spending is due to the doubling of obesity, so we need to do a better job of managing weight. And two, that three-quarters of total healthcare spending is linked to chronically ill patients. So we need to come up with uh, better approaches, and the medical home is one approach, to work with these chronically ill patients uh, to keep them healthy, uh, keep them out of the emergency room and clinic, and keep them out of the hospital. And that's exactly what the, uh, this medical uh, primary care home approach is designed to do. And on the, the pilot projects that you talked about, my understanding is that they're pretty good size. I mean, it's not like they're saying, okay, we're going to do one in uh, rural Tuscaloosa. I mean, there, there's the opportunity for physicians to glom onto these across the country, if I'm reading the healthcare legislation correctly. Right. I think the, the intent is to make an investment in really redesigning how we prevent uh, and deliver healthcare in two dimensions. One is to make sure that physician practices have the electronic health records in their practice so that we can really do a good job of clinically making sure that the physicians are on the same page and that you know, medications that are not appropriately indicated that one physician may prescribe that another physician doesn't know about doesn't happen. And two is, is investing in building these community health teams of nurses and nurse practitioners to work closely with physician practices to you know, manage patients and to work with patients outside the physician practice. So the proposal would be to provide funding to create those community health teams nationally, starting in Medicare, with the anticipation that other payers like Medicaid and private health plans would participate and buy into the model as well. Well, with that, I would like to thank Kenneth Thorpe, who has been our guest. He is the Robert Woodruff Professor and Chair of Health Policy and Management at the Rollins School of Public Health at Emory University. He joins us from his offices in Washington, D.C., and we've been talking about the medical home, how this is something that's been talked about for a long time, but it's moving in stages of reality where a lot of physicians out there and their patients will be experiencing this. Doctors will be getting paid, care will improve, and hopefully health care costs will go down. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air, please visit us at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.